to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, other times giving ourselves the opportunity to watch the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. You already know what it is. Here we are. I'm here. I'm Carlos. I'm here as always with... Dave Gurney and Joe Hilliard. And today we have a special guest in our friend Ethan's absence. And it is my fiance, possibly my wife. By the time this comes out, it depends on how lazy I am <laughs> <laughs> uh, with editing it. But, Let's hope not. But Kylie Kinnett, editor of the Ben Magazine. Hey, hey, this is Kylie. And Long Dog Dilly's around here somewhere. Dilly is here. For the first time. Yeah. He, he doesn't, well, no, no, he was here once before. He was. He doesn't make much noise. No, no, he's no, he's no, probably he not going to make an appearance. No, probably not. At, at least in the audio realm here. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. So we, we're here to talk about a lot of films. Yeah. I think. Yeah. That's well, we're, we're talking about like a little moment here, right? A mo- a, yeah. There's a moment happening <laughs> in the... Um, digital space mm-hmm. i suppose would be the way to describe it uh, so we're mainly what we're going to talk about is netflix and all of the like the wave of movies that they just dropped on us in the last like month in hopes to get some oscar recognition it seems that right. that's a big motivation for what they're going to do right. so the first one we're going to talk about uh will be the ballad of buster scruggs coen brothers film but first as always we have to open a beer mm. yes so i've been sitting on this one since not a, not a month, but longer than I'm usually capable of sitting on. Uh, <laughs> an well, in some beers you don't want to sit on. So, yeah. But this one actually could probably be around for a little while. When I say long, I mean like three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a long time. It hasn't no, been you, long. I know, you're not normally a seller guy, yeah. No, I mean, I have some stuff, but... Um, and so this one, Kylie and I went to go see uh, Sleep in mm-hmm. Houston a couple of weeks ago, and so on our way out, we stopped by Brash, Brewing company, and so this is the vulgar display of power. And David, you're the one that came up with the tie-in for this. I'll let you. Well, as you were talking about, we're in this uh, sort of moment in the digital space where Netflix is is really flexing, uh, showing just how powerful uh, they are as content creators, getting uh, you know sort of top level uh, talent like the Coen Brothers and Alfonso Cuaron. I guess I'm spoiling here that we're going to go on to Roma <laughs> later. But, um, but getting these big names to kind of work on these projects um, that either they fund right off the bat or at least they end up picking up and, and distributing and, and allowing us to see at home streaming at our leisure. So, yeah, vulgar display of power, <laughs> perhaps. Um, it's also, you know, obviously Brash, uh, the brewery, is much more interested in metal. So those uh, Texas metalheads out there are going to know that is the name of the best Pantera album. Do we have full agreement on that? Mm, is it, is... I don't think there were very many good Pantera albums. Ooh, <laughs> see, I, we were just listening to Mouth for uh, War in the uh, car the other day. <laughs> yeah, they're not my fave. Oh, uh, well. Uh, Afraid. Yeah, this one's gonna be fun. Kylie hates stouts, and All this right. is dark as they get. This, so yeah, what dark. is this beer? This is a full-on. Yeah, what, um, well, this is it's an imperial, right? An yeah, imperial stout. Yeah, possibly an imperial, what the... imperial Russian stout. Yeah, let's. Uh, I mean, the it's ABV... it's in the tens. In yeah, the, in the it's in double digits. Right, ten, eleven. Let's see. Something yeah. Like that. So we're looking at, uh, yeah, Russian Imperial Stout. They do call it Russian Imperial. And it is right up there at 13%. All right. Bing, bing, bing. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Oh. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's going to ease us right into this conversation. So as you kind of set us up for, Carlos, um, I think first off, we're, we're going to take on the, um, which I think maybe. 
chronologically was the first one that Netflix put out, at least of the this batch that we're kind of focusing on. And that's the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Can I ask a question before we get started? Sure. So you're about to I mean, watch a Coen Brothers film, <laughs> uh-huh. right? And like what a Coen Brothers get me to the theater. If there's a Coen Brothers movie in the For theater, sure. I'm probably going to go. So here is the first of three movies by, well, two of which are directors I admire, uh, where the the experience, before we watch the movie, before we critique the movie, the experience of watching and consuming the movie is only available in a, as a first release in your home. How did y'all feel about that? The shift in right. the, the theatrical experience. Yeah, I you know that that's a good question. So th- it, I do know it had some limited theatrical release, but certainly not here in Corpus Christi. Mm-mm. So we had no option other than to watch it on Netflix. But like you said, Joe, I since at least Fargo have been pretty regular uh, theater goer for the Coen Brothers films. So yeah, I mean, it. it I guess it's kind of a letdown because I do love going to the movies, um, and and, yeah. and I thought you know visually, I like this film. No, interestingly, it was shot digitally. Like this is the first of their films that wasn't shot on film. Right. Um, so so maybe some people would make the case for well, it's kind of staying native and staying in the. Uh, but I don't know. I, I it didn't kill it for me, but. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh, those are one of the movie-going experiences that I usually look forward to, Coen Brothers releases. Because you know the cinematography is going to be Coen Brothers level. Yeah. And and, and that the film is going to be constructed in a way that I'm going to feel really satisfied on some level, although they've had some clunkers over yeah. the years. I guess we don't want to get too crazy about uh, about going through their whole filmography. And I bet but, we'll talk about this as, as we go. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. So anyway, you know, but but usually I do look forward, like True Grit, when that came out a few years back, I loved going to see that. I'm trying to remember what, what some of the more recent, what was their last film before Scruggs? It may have been Hail Caesar, which I did. Oh, yeah, the right. I think, it, right. I think it was. I, and, I, and I made a mistake. It's a great movie. No, I, I saw it. I caught up to it. Yeah, but I should I rush to the theater. I, that that's one that I'm really I'm 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 to hear with people that say Hail Caesar's not a good movie because they're wrong. I never saw it. They're so wrong, and it makes me so mad. Uh, but <laughs> but anyway, it's not well, I don't want to go to hell, hail Caesar rabbit yeah, hole here. Either, yeah. But I mean, how does it stack up to the rest of their canon? Because to me, it doesn't measure up to their final work at all. Uh, oh, wow. Buster Scruggs? No, 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 no. It was hail Caesar. But yeah, oh. let's get oh. on to the movie here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 still wrong. It's our but, first. Uh, it's <laughs> our first. <laughs> hey, it's our first go around with the Coen Brothers. Of course, we're excited. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The, uh, yeah, this is the first one. The one I think the thing that I was the most disappointed about was that I just didn't really know that it was happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't know a lot about it either. Yeah, there until was, it was like in front of my face. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of like oh, I, you know, I mean normally with the Coen Brothers movie you see a lot of trailers and stuff for mm-hmm. it and things like that and so you're like, oh, the, and the first thing the trailers normally say as they should at this point in their career, a Coen Brothers, you know, a film by the Coen Brothers or whatever, so you have some time to build up some anticipation for it. Right. And I found out because a customer and a friend of ours that works at the draft house came in and it was like, so what'd you think about it? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, the Battle Buster Scruggs, you watched it, right? And it had been out for like two days or something. <laughs> and right, I was just right. like, I was like, I don't think I know what that is. And he was like, that new Coen Brothers movie. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that's like short little films, like, you know, it's like six vignettes or whatever. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, I had no idea that it came out. Like, I've, I don't know, just been watching Great British Bake Off or whatever. <laughs> did, did, didn't notice. And so that that was kind of disappointing. And yeah, some of the some of those, like, John Ford kind of uh, searchers-esque, you know, um, 
uh, what's the name of the valley? Um, oh, the Monument voice, Valley? Monument Valley kind yeah. of shots. I mean, I don't know if that's where it was, but it, it, it reminded me of those, especially the first one yeah. when he's riding up yep. when you very first see Buster Scruggs. Would have been cool on a big screen. Yeah. But now, do you know if this was one that the Coen brothers making it knew that it was going to be on Netflix? Well, I think from what I understand, this is a project that they had been gestating for either like 20 or 25 years. Like they had approached Tim, Tim Blake Nelson, I think shortly after Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Oh, so saying, a long time ago. Hey, we have this idea for like, we're going to do a series of, uh, you know, vignettes, these, these little short Western stories, and we want you to be in one of them. And it's going to be. So I think they had at least the Buster Scruggs one kind of written or outlined or something. And yet it took them a lot longer to finally get to the point where they had the project put together. So, no, I and certainly I think in 2000, whatever, they weren't thinking, oh, this is because Netflix wasn't doing that, yeah. right? They were doing DVDs by mail. I was just thinking it's far. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> forget about that. Yeah. Um, I don't. I still do it. <laughs> I canceled mine a couple years ago. It was to be like ago. a miniseries, too. Like, it only got strung together as a film, um, I think, later in the process. Yeah, I, 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 think you're, I think you're right that there was some talk that it was going to be these separate, like almost like a miniseries. Yeah. But I think it was their insistence that they thought it should be something that people watched continuously right. that they wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just, that was the first thing that I thought of when you mentioned that it was their first digital film. Yeah. As far as like when they went they into thinking, production, yeah. were they like, well, it's going to be on Netflix, so we're going to shoot digital. Right. Because, you know on people's TVs at home or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I could be wrong. They might have just done it for ease or because of budget restrictions or something like that. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. I mean, I think... I will say I don't think we watched the very last one yet. We I think we have really? I think we have one last one. Mm. Um, right at a time. I was well, I was gonna finish it last night, but then I had the whole computer debacle. <laughs> what I thought was gonna take me maybe like a half an hour to finish editing our border episode took me like two and a half hours or something. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up running out of time to be able to finish it. But I mean, heavy hitting cast. Like right sure. off the bat, yeah. I mean, James Franco's oh, yeah. in the second one. You got Stephen Root, Liam. Liam Neeson, Tom right. Waits, Zoe Kazan. I mean, yeah, they I didn't mean, pull any punches on, on I that I think part. you're right. Like, heavy hitting for people who love great character actors. I mean, maybe with the exception of Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson is a man. But <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, I mean wait, James Franco, just, though. How is this like... I didn't oh, even realize it was him like we for about, a couple minutes. Yeah, we, we were talking about Widows. Widows, widows is where we... Taken and what, how and Liam who, Neeson needs to stop acting. And, yeah. then I saw, <laughs> and then I saw him in this, and I was like, okay, I'll give him a, I'll give him a pass. This, this, this one looks fine. He has fine. a particular set of skills. I mean, come on. Or maybe you enjoyed him because he started acting. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> the, yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, th I think for people who love the Coens, there's some familiar faces in there. For people who love good character actors, there, I think there's something there. Now, there's not like the marquee, like uh, Clooney. Well, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like there's the, not a Clooney, but right. I would say James Franco is pretty close he, for the generation right below Clooney. You're probably right. I, I don't know. Does he carry films, though? I don't know. Though? I feel like that's kind of blasphemy to say that. James Franco on the same <laughs> level as George Clooney? <laughs> I mean, maybe not right now, but there Ky was... A Kylie is endearing herself to me here. I, <laughs> I, I think there was a point when James Franco was, like, carrying films. I mean, at least... 
yeah. as, as the second, as like a co-lead. Well, for sure. And then was kind of very heartthrobby for a while too. And then he went into his weird, like, I'm going to go get like a thousand different degrees right. and make every William Faulkner novel into a movie <laughs> yeah. and like that kind of stuff. But James Franco has never had a huge success as a leading man in a film. It's usually an ensemble cast. or you know, Well, yeah, I, I mean, well, I gotta, in I terms gotta... of huge... I think you're right. Like he, he hasn't had that kind of blockbuster yeah. film that he's carried. Um, he's had. I don't know if that's true. But in an really? ensemble what, what, cast, what I mean, I know he was the you know in there, the original Spider-Man. There's one I can see a poster for, but I can't remember the name of it. Um, let oh, me. There, there was good. the one where he's trapped like in the rock, right? Super yeah. 147 hours. 127 oh, hours. Yeah. That yeah. was a big one. He was nominated for that, and he he's did. like the I mean, only actor. The only <laughs> right, right. I mean, he did literally carry that film. There was nothing else there. Put yeah. Brad, Pitt, put Brad Pitt in that film, and it makes five times the money. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, okay, but, but it doesn't but get anyway, Oscar attention. But I will, I will grant you, he's he's a bigger name. I mean, for of sure. of this whole group, I would say he's probably and he was great in this role. The biggest. He did he did a great job in his part. Yeah. Yeah, so how did it do, so we know Carlos liked it. I mean, wh- how did you? Feel I enjoyed him. I'm a Cohen Brothers apologist. You could tell that they said, "Oh, cool, we have this ability to do this experiment and do a lot of fun ideas that maybe don't work themselves into a feature film." And they did exactly that. Yeah. And if you're a Cohen Brothers fan, you're going to sit there with a smile on your face for two hours. Yeah. If you're not a Cohen Brothers fan, though, and I am, so it's difficult to put myself in that in that right. light. But I think that you would say, "Oh, James Franco's in a funny western based on the." trailer yeah and then not understand exactly what you were watching the fan in me saw the winks at the i mean that that coen brothers sense of humor yeah when they when they go funny you're like raising arizona and others right which is one of my top 10 films of all time yeah is raising it's arizona. a great film it's because nick i mean nicholas cage <laughs> <laughs> another recurring theme he the started podcast. off so promising uh, <laughs> and it's continued to be so. Did you see Mandy? No. Do you know what I did see though? Uh, a, uh, a thing about how Nick Cage is still uh, in 2018, and got to fact check it that he was one of the top grossing actors. Well, yeah, because he was it. in a thousand movies. He's in a thousand he's movies. In, he's in like all seven, seven films every year. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's got to buy those dinosaur bones. And, so yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it, but when I think about the the Coen Brothers canon, it comes off as the fun experiment that it was, and not a lasting film that I'm going to want to huh, watch over. Okay. Though. That's, it's not Oh Brother Where Art, though. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not Barton Fink or Fargo or something. But I yeah. definitely don't think I'd want to watch it again. But and I, 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 and I have a problem with anthologies in general. I mean, they're they're, like they're, they're a fun experiment for a filmmaker for rooms, New York stories to to explore a shorter well, form. But usually, yeah, yeah. but they're rarely great. You're taking different directors, writers, Correct. and and putting them around. This is really focused on one set of filmmakers. Yeah. Wanting to make this film, but um, but you don't think you'd return to it again, Sorry, Kylie? Kylie I, I don't think so. Uh, I always, for some reason, with westerns, before I like watch them, I feel like I I don't like westerns <laughs> or you know anything in that kind of genre. Yeah. Um, and then you start, and I forget that westerns always kind of have this like fantastical kind of like vibe to it mm-hmm. of um, kind of this like expansive world um, where things can be easily taken away from you or mm. easily given to you. And I feel like that um, was kind of seen in each of the vignettes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I, I think if it, if it was one continuous film, I might not have enjoyed it as much as it being a bunch of separate smaller stories. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I would revisit it. 
I mean, yeah, you had a definite reaction to the Tom Waits segment when a positive one. Well, I know, but I yeah. mean, but, but 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 you weren't like lukewarm about it. Like you were like, oh, you know, the pocket, the pocket, and whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was and my favorite Mr. one, hands Pocket. down. Yeah, that was it. That was that was my favorite. That one character. Too. Yeah, that, I mean, no, that was that was wonderful. That, and the concept of like digging for gold is just so cool to me. Like yeah. that's just super freaking cool. Just, yeah. Like, yeah. Hoping to find it. Yeah. Right, right. No, and it's it's a very frontier sort of story. Yeah. Yeah. And we got a how it's made. Which right. Is, which, which is kind of fun. <laughs> yes, right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. A little lesson in panning and, and what that leads to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm with you, uh, you all, on this. I mean, it it was interesting. I mean, I, I'm although I'm I'm somewhat split myself and how I feel about it. It was a little less satisfying in some ways than a typical Coen Brothers film because, like you say, Joe, none of these stories get developed to the point that a feature does. Where part of what I love about their storytelling usually is that they have all these weird little threads that they kind of put out there and they kind of intertwine and things don't necessarily all wrap up beautifully at the end, but you get to see all those things kind of intersect. And here it's more like these interesting little threads that are all kept separate and kind of contained mm-hmm. in their own little, you know, miniature universes. Um, so it didn't have the same kind of satisfying kind of um, storytelling aspect to it. But I do think in some ways it's the most deceptively like humorous and dark but dark of their films i mean how many deaths i mean every Every single single one of them them is about death and Uh, characters like meeting these demises that are just i mean the end of the one starring zoe kazan i think right that's her name from the big sick where yeah she like her her brother dies or whatever right like damn yeah end of that one really was oh yeah harder than most yeah other ones i think i think the saddest part was the dog though the second a dog was on the screen I was like I swear if they kill this dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's, that's, uh, that's well I understand that. I mean that's <laughs> the well that's it's another episode I won't bring that up uh, yeah but yeah, I but, mean, but I the dog it. survives. So, dog survives, <laughs> so, so you dog lovers out there, go ahead and watch that. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it may feel a little perilous, but the dog's going to be just fine. Yeah. President Pierce will make it. President, President Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did. I did have to kind of uh, not coerce, but I had to just put it on and say, "Hey, let's watch this first vignette." Yeah, I didn't want to yeah. do it in the beginning. Yeah, she did not want to watch yeah. it, and I was like, "Just watch it," because at this point, I, I had already seen the first two on my own. Right. And, I didn't know that. And I was like, "Hey, let's, let's just put the first one on," because the first one's great. Yeah, Tim I like, like the Nelson's first one. so good, and he needs to be in all the things all the time. Like, he, he's he just is so re- goofy. I know it's just so good. <laughs> but he turns out to be this like crazy oh, ass yeah. assassin. <laughs> well, it works well, right? I mean, it, yeah. it, it, like you need to be surprised by him because he's he... on the freaking horse playing a guitar, like, and right. he doesn't. You know, some people look very commanding on horseback, and he did right. not. He, no. not. <laughs> he looked. He looked like the horse was in full control of what was happening, and he was just kind of there, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, when like, yeah, you know. Because yeah. nobody would give him a damn glass of whiskey or whatever. You know? Right. But, uh, so, but for the Coen brothers to be able to be experimental, that all kind of begins and ends with how can we distribute this film with Netflix becoming a new prime method by which we will be right. watching filmmakers that we admire and their new releases. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is so weird. But it, but it, <laughs> if if Netflix has, and maybe we'll talk about this later, like what's coming and what's going and how it seems to be working as the consumer. Um, just with your remote control in your hand, trying to find something to watch. 
uh, if they're going to let Scorsese do that 30-minute project that he always wanted to do, but what's the point? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's, if he can keep it cheap, we'll distribute it, and your name is on it, so you know it'll be watched. I'm all kind of maybe for this idea. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I, I like it that it gives these directors the license to do something that, you know, it seems like they had been dreaming of, and they wanted to pursue. Obviously, it's, you know, it taps in. They, they've shown their love for the Western in the past. I mean, I already mentioned True Grit. Um, also, to some extent, they've done short. They've done short anthology pieces for other things. Um, right? They were in that Paris I Love You film. I think they did one of the segments. Uh-huh. Anyway, the, so, that you know, it kind of allows them to exercise some of their creative um, interests in ways that I think, yeah, if this was on the hook for having to be a feature film released at the, and really making its money at the box office, I don't think it would have gotten, gotten made. Yeah, yeah. I definitely would agree with that. Yeah. It, this only happens on Netflix or Hulu or something like that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. But and then do we n- not get like amazing feature films from them anytime soon because they're going to be you running be, to You won't get one from services? Adam Sandler. I mean, he did like <laughs> three or like four seven. there. Yeah. <laughs> he actually, he was, I think his deal was for six or seven movies. So yeah. there's more coming. Mm-hmm. You hold on to your shorts. I haven't everybody. watched even one of them oh, yet. Oh, because I watched Before. half half of one because I stand up thing? the one with no, the no, age no no, no no the movies that's the one that was uh, with Kevin James yeah. yeah I came home I was living it's bad oh yeah it's awful I was living with Sadiq at the time and he was watching and I came home and it was on and uh, so I just you know as as I did when I was living with him I would just sit down and watch Hawaii Five O or whatever bullshit <laughs> on at the time and I was like dude you're I was like I feel like we're both getting dumber watching this like this is bad man but yeah six or seven movie deal mm-hmm. he got signed to for that but i would say kylie to respond to your thing we did get a great feature film out of them and it's called the ballad of buster scruggs i mean yeah it's a but then you don't get the theater experience yeah. of it is what that, i'm saying if they're all true. going to the streaming services to you know do these creative right. freedoms that big blockbuster hits and the theaters won't allow them or whatever then are we going to be missing I, that theater experience from these people think, that we, you know, admire? I, I think it's all based upon the love of the theater-going experience. Either the American public rejects it in mm. the near future in lieu, to stay home. I don't think that will happen. I think there were... Or not. Yeah. I, th- I think figures showed this year that theater-going went up in yeah. 2018. Yeah, but the next Avengers film was released on Netflix as opposed to an art film. I mean... You'd see a shift. People wouldn't care. Oh, oh! If oh. If, if like Infinity hmm. War Part Two came out exclusively right. on Netflix, right? Hmm. I don't need to go. I, well, first of all, I can't go to the theater to have the experience because it's, it's only available on Netflix. But yeah. on B, I don't really care. Yeah. Well, I, well, I was gonna say that's. I mean, if Marvel cut a deal, an exclusive an exclusivity deal with Netflix. That could be the best thing that could happen to cinema because people would stop giving a shit about those stupid Marvel movies. The, <laughs> only, the, the only reason they're fun is because you get to go see them in a theater like, and it's hear loud, loud noises. You know? yeah. If you were watching them at home, people would, be, people would get bored. I guarantee you people would get bored. Well, you know, but the, but you say that uh, the those Marvel series have done all right, although I guess uh, Luke Cage got canceled. They all right? got canceled. Yeah, but they're all oh, going to get, pick, get okay. picked up again on different, like they, people are saying that's a mistake. They, really. all, they all got canceled. The only one that isn't technically canceled as the punisher because they had finished but had yet to release season two okay and the war iron fist deserved to get canceled that was a terrible fucking okay. show but 
the word is that they got canceled on Netflix because Disney's going to launch its yeah. own thing. Right. Oh, right. right. And so they're trying okay. to take it over there. Okay. But You'll have two- those those were different. Those were, you know, if we're going to make comparisons that are like easy to follow, like those were more of like the Christopher Nolan style. Like gr- a lot of them were like gritty right, and right. realistic and su- were more suited. But if you tried to do what you're doing in the theater with Infinity War right. and just instead show it right. on a home well there, you know that's i guess that's what i'm getting at is like we've seen what it's like when we adapt these marvel uh properties to the small screen or the streaming screen or however we want to think about it and it's more serial it's yeah. more kind of complex storytelling it's it's trying to do that sort of stuff versus the avengers films or the films that have done really well at the box office i mean i don't think that i don't think that the streaming platforms are going to pull the steam away from the theaters in the way that you're talking about. But it is, I think when we're talking about these kind of, this tier of filmmaking, the the sort of, I mean, Coen Brothers are kind of, I mean, maybe Art House isn't the right indie, you know, filmmaking that, that they've kind of been that, that tier, that mid-range of filmmaking they've been in. Could it suck the energy from that to do it? And, and that's a possibility because maybe. if you have them getting funded to do whatever they want on a platform like Netflix. And that's what I mean, like, them being able to have that creative freedom from Netflix, kind of making that seem more pleasing to them as opposed to making, right. you know, a long film for the theaters. Yeah, like a, like a more traditional feature film. Um, I will say I would like to see both. Yeah. I would like right. to see... I want to have my cake and eat it too, always. <laughs> well, it's, it's not even that. It's just like, give me a week-long run of Buster Scruggs right. in my town. Yeah. And then... Put it on Netflix after. and Or even at the same time. And so yeah. I can decide, do I want to go to the theater? Do I not want to go to the You know, right. stuff like that. Like, I would like to... Yeah, that, beca- that becomes financing. The extra cost of making prints and distributing I think, them. Well, and, yeah. but they don't have to make prints now for the no, digital projection. The digital but, the, but, I, but it is. It's like, I mean, I think like, you know, take the Alamo Drafthouse in town. If they were to put... If they were to have a theater devoted to showing Buster Scruggs when it had already been released on Netflix. Or maybe just a showing a day. Yeah, right. I mean, is it? Well, that's interesting. I mean, will we go more? And they kind of do that a little bit, right? Because they will screen those, you know, one showing one night or one showing a couple nights a week. Yeah, border. Listen to the last episode. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, so maybe that's, that's where something like Buster Scruggs could have a night at the theater in a given town. But I was under the impression that the theatrical release of Roma, for example, was mm-hmm. for cinephiles to see cinema, a 70 millimeter print. With that one, yeah. Right. I mean, and, that was and, shot. And, on, yeah. and there was the... You'd want to give filmmaker, film goers uh, something different. And I think that a film experience for cinephiles, because the only people are going to go see this anyway. Yeah. So before we get too much into Roma, yeah. Yeah. we're going to get to that in a second. We need to talk about the beer. Oh, yeah. Um, when I realized I was going to Brash, I hit you up, David, and I was mm-hmm. like, hey, what do I need to get? You mm-hmm. said vulgar display. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Still, I still, still love, love it. it. Yeah, still I mean, love it. it's been three years since I have had it. Um, they had just, I, uh, they had just opened. I was, have they been? Open uh, wait, maybe. Yeah, it was because it was the first day for night festival in Houston. I went, oh, I went up there, and my my good friend William had just gone there for their opening. I think like a month before, and said like, "Oh yeah, there's any he had mentioned that one." And I went to a flying saucer. Is that? Yeah, it's like the mm-hmm. beer yeah, bar. That's a thing. Um, before actually going to the festival. 
and they had it on tap. And so I had like whatever it was, a 10 ounce pour of this, but 13%. I remember walking in to see Philip Glass at noon and feeling pretty good. (laughs) 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 That was, that was pretty good. So that was three years ago. So yeah, that, that was, they opened up with this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it, I mean, it seems to be one of their like mainstays, but what I like about, so it's a Russian Imperial stout, which, you know, we, we've had some Imperial Stouts on the show that have been aged in bourbon barrels, and then it takes on a lot of that boozy bourbon character or maybe something with an adjunct. This this is just straight up Imperial Stout. I yeah. mean, it's like malty. You get a little... No there's nonsense. A, there's a little chocolate flavor in there yeah. you get from the roasted malt, but man... I get I, a good amount of chocolate. What do you I think, Joe? There's, you... there's some beers that have a thing... I need to look it up where I get a metallic taste in my mouth, and that's a flavor okay. profile yeah. in the lexicon of beer that I need to learn because it, it affects me. Yeah, I'm getting You're some getting of this here, but I'm enjoying this very much. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of the really horrible, nerdy beer words like mouthfeel, they all apply here. They all apply here. This is a, it's a beautiful beer, and I mean, it, it's thick and dark, and I'm enjoying it very much. And somewhat crushable. <laughs> that is one word I would not have For a 13, you mean? I would say it is not crushable. It goes down easy. For a 13, I would say this is easier to drink than I okay. expected it. I will, I will grant I'm not going to chug this. No, I will grant Yes, you, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Harold Ramos when we need him? <laughs> Joey, <laughs> Daniel. Yeah, they can chug anything. You got some chugs in you? Uh, but, uh, you know... The, I, I definitely can see where you're coming from that I don't know that I would peg this at 13% if you just handed uh-uh. it to me. I don't think and so. And I was sipping it, I, I might say I 9, mean, at this 10%. Po- I feel, at I feel at good, this though. point in my drinking of it, I would. Yeah, yeah because you're right feeling now, it. Yeah, it's been right, half an hour. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but, so from that taste. standpoint, but I could not throw it back like yeah. I, I would a, uh, a lighter lighter beer. Kyle, you were saying you don't like stouts. I hate stouts. I hate dark Stouts beers. and porters. Um, which is really annoying because those are the beers with the highest alcohol content. Um, and Kylie's about the bang for your buck. I'm all about the bang for your buck. So never, yeah. You'll never see her drinking anything under 5%. Do you well, like, why would you? Do you like, a, do you well, like, <laughs> do you like barley wine Maybe as a style? Maybe it's my old age. Session is a stupid word. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, session. I don't know if I like barley wine. Okay. Do I, don't, I? I don't think we've ever had one before. Yeah. I just Try don't that. like the malty taste of it you would hate a barley um, one. yeah i don't like the chocolatey kind of taste of it it's not refreshing to me and how to are me, you on ipa like ipa fan love yeah love IPAs. love IPAs. Okay. she'll drink ipas that i find to be abhorrent and undrinkable like the el chingon from Fall oh i love el chingon so yeah so it's it. so no, it's, it's not the the bitterness or the uh it's not the bitterness yeah it's it's more just it's the, too heavy you don't like the heaviness and the yeah. and, and like you say that it's not refreshing i will right. i will grant you yeah. that like, when no, it gets, it's i would never call this not i would never I think of beer, I think of, I don't know, refreshing, and I right. don't get that. When from it gets cold, because that's, that's going to lean you to a higher carbonation, like a Pilsner looking beer, a nice right. blondie beer. Right. When it gets colder outside, do you find yourself wanting something heavier in beer? Is that a thing you do? I don't think so. Okay. No. no. I'll just drink wine. I was going to say, you just drink it like a Cabernet. Or something. <laughs> yeah. So, do you'll do, will you do Oktoberfest at October time? Marzins? Like a, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Interesting. No, yeah, she. We have a pretty divided house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like blondes, good to go. Any kind of IPA. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like hazy wee beers. Stuff. Yeah. When, when yeah. You she go is to, a slave to the haze. When you go to a brewery, mm-hmm. will you get a flight with darker beers on it just to try them at the brewery? That you, like, if you're traveling out of town. 
you did that one time when we were at Southern League <laughs> grilling <Brewery> her. <laughs> at uh, at the Pearl. Right, and I hated it. And we switched. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I because I had a lighter one that I was like just okay about, yeah. and yeah. so so we did switch. But I'll tell you why. I had to make a conscious decision to get out of an IPA rut. Mm. I had to. I mean, I had to do that because I was becoming fiercely prejudiced. Maybe I should make that my New Year's resolution. I'm not right. Yeah. <laughs> First out of 2019. Uh, so I'm not saying that anyone should do that. I'm just saying I I felt like I needed to do it. So I approached this winter, and, ah. and here it doesn't get that cold. But when it does get cold, I was embracing porters and stouts and just trying to Did you not really broaden like them my palate. I like them, but I just gotten into a rut where I just had like, like a I think it was like a hop. Addiction. I mean, really. I mean, it sounds silly, but when I went to Tapology, our local bar that has the forty great taps, yeah, where's the IPAs? Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Right. And now I'm going in and trying to do the opposite on purpose through through David. By the way, I've, I've consulted David on this problem very uh, several times. <laughs> David, if there's I, someone to consult. I mean, I, 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 I try to help. We sit at your feet. <laughs> anyway, but so but, all right, let's over, get back. So, but, I, okay. but what I like is, you know, I, I get where you're coming from, Joe. But I really like it when people know what they like. I mean, that's yeah. if if anybody. I'm not being critical and at It's like, hey, what should I get? And they, you know, if they can say like, well, I usually like IPAs. I like that. I mean, it's kind of nice, and you can kind of figure it out. If they're just, I like anything. That's fun too. But right. yeah, but it's nice when people have you without know, a doubt. I've, yeah. I've taken friends Drink to Tabology. Or I'll see somebody there that, and we'll go up to the bar together, and they'll be like, hey, what should I get? What should I get? And I'll be like, I don't know. What do you like? And then the bartender will be like, hey, what do you like? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And <laughs> make, yeah, I mean, it just makes it harder when you yeah. have forty taps to like right. hone it because I mean, they've got. You know, porters. They've got ciders. They've got IPAs. Sour. Sours. I mean, they've got wheat. Oh, I do beers. like sours. Yeah, she does. Yeah, well, that's uh, good. refreshing. All refreshing. that. Yeah. <laughs> they can the be. They can one. be. No, yeah, yeah, so, it. with the exception of Kylie, who just categorically does not like stouts, which I knew that going into this, yeah. uh, we all feel pretty good about it. I would buy this. Oh yeah, yeah. I think if yeah. you're somebody who likes stouts and, and imperial stouts in particular, I mean, this is, and especially somebody who likes an old school Russian imperial stout. This is fantastic. I mean, you're 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 gonna love this one. Now, if you're somebody who likes more the sort of pastry stouts that are out there these days, which are lovely. I mean, I'm not not down. But if if, that, if that's your jam, then this may not be your jam. If there's jam in a stout, don't drink it. Uh, Sounds good. But those people, the pastry people, want the jam. They want the jam. They want the yeah. PV and the J. They need uh, the J. <laughs> okay, so when we come back, we're gonna talk more about Netflix and what they're doing in the uh, media landscape, movie landscape. And specifically, we're going to hone in on a film called Roma. Okay, and we're back. And as we said earlier, we're going to be talking about Alfonso Cuaron's Roma, which was a, um, I guess not technically a Netflix exclusive, but almost. Yeah. Well, it, it did show. Yeah. No, it's it, another, it's had limited release. It, it was at the Venice Festival. Yeah. Um, but pretty much Netflix. Right. But uh, that's the primary spot that people are seeing this. Yes. But yeah. as you know. As we always do, we are going to get into a beer first. Now, this one I'm really excited about. I've been waiting to flex the way David does when he, <laughs> he, bring, he brings, flex away, he brings hard to find stuff. Um, but I was able to get my hands on some 
cans that were recent re- recently released by Ingenious Brewing Company. And if you're not familiar with Ingenious, they're uh, technically in Humble, I guess, is where their address is, but they're a Houston brewery. Uh-huh. And they're doing a lot of the milkshake IPAs. They're doing a lot of the pastry stouts. Um, and they're doing all of that with a lot of like additives. Like they're throwing in vanilla beans and chocolate chips, or they're throwing in strawberries, or they're throwing in all sorts of different stuff. Mm-hmm. And... They, yeah, they're for sure my favorite right now. I mean, uh, their s'more stout was great when I went to the brewery in November. Their blueberry crumble I liked a lot. I mean, they had this Frankenfroyo one at the time. Uh, I mean, everything I've had from them has just been so uh, that I was at a beer share with David and Daniel brought a like a peanut butter cup one that was crazy good. Yeah. I mean, everything they're doing is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I brought strawberries and cream double froyo. This is a New England style milkshake double IPA uh, with strawberries, <laughs> yeah. vanilla beans, and milk sugar, which is where the milkshake Ooh. IPA part comes from. And this they one, use all the words. They, they use <laughs> they use every word all that the they smart can. Beer words. Um, and this one clocks in at eight percent. Now, one of the cool things that I really like about them, and this isn't going to apply as much to right now, the aroma. Ooh. No, it's they have they have these machines, and my understanding is that they are the only. Um, brewery in Texas that has them. So uh, I think these uh, particular apparatus are made in Indiana or something like that, huh. Illinois. But they have these frozen be- these frozen beer toppers you can get. Oh at the, yeah, at you, were, the, you were talking these up, yeah. At the brewery. Um, oh my god, the nose on that. And whew. here, go ahead and rinse that out. It's um, so pretty. But yeah, you can get. You know, they'll they'll have some kind of beer that they freeze, and then you can put it on on top of your beer it almost looks like whipped cream but it's made there's nothing in it except for beer and it it's it's crazy good especially so they, they pour a beer and then top and it then with top it frozen with this beer. frozen, frozen beer. beer probably like extra oxygen to make it like a whip it's got to be something like that yeah. but they um makes it kind of look like a float kind of yeah and as it melts yeah, yeah. and Especially if you're doing something like this milkshake IPA that we're drinking I'm right now, um, it it really adds a whole other thing to it. That's that's really great. Cheers. Um, yeah. So yeah. we're gonna sip on this a little bit and uh, talk about it more in depth yeah. towards the end. But first, we got to talk about Roma. Yeah. This is a bad movie. Oh my Ooh, gosh! <laughs> wow. This is a bad movie. You like to? This you, is. Uh, you throw the headline out there. Yeah, he does. Uh, okay. I, he wants to be that person. when he's ready. When he's no, ready. it's it's not even that I want to be that person. It's just that I was so disappointed. Wow. In Do it. you worry ever that you're going against the entire critical society when you say that, <laughs> or hailing this a masterpiece and everything else? Um, I'm I talking just, about Carlos, so not the movie. Anymore. I'm curious about like no, no, for sure. I I think you're that, that confident in your opinion. Uh, yeah, I th- I think that. I mean, I think you have a filmmaker that has done some great work in the past that people are predisposed to liking. Incredible work in the past. Incredible, yeah. And I agree, and that's why I was really super hyped for this. Mm -hmm. And and then does something like this where almost every decision that is made in it is the wrong decision. The only thing... About character choices or or direction? I'm talking about every single aspect of this film with the exception of the fact that I was so glad that he didn't like try to like whitewash it and make it 
all in English, like hire okay. you know, people well, to just speak in English or whatever. Right. I, I liked the fact that it was the 1970s. It was set in Mexico City with this middle-class family about this maid that works in, with them, lives with them. Right. And that it was authentically, because I don't mind reading subtitles. Like that's not a, you know, people bitch You don't mind that. foreign films. No, I don't. Yeah. And, and, so, and so I liked that because it would have been strange to me if they all spoke English the entire oh, time. Oh, sure, yeah. But other than well, that... Quoron wouldn't do that. That's not his... No, no, he no, wouldn't. And right. so that that part I... So going into it, and then that... As soon as I found that out, I was like, okay, cool. You know, that it says at the beginning, you know, s- subtitled, all other languages are not subtitled. I was like, okay, cool. Good start. Let's go. Uh-huh. And then it's just... It's not, not only is it just unbelievably boring but it takes place in one of the most like vibrant and colorful places that you Mm. can possibly find and it's in fucking black and white (laughs) to the point to the point where you can almost not tell what the fuck is happening at any point in time maybe if you saw it at in 70 millimeters it would be better but watching it at home everything is so stale and flat and lifeless as far as the imagery goes that i was just like so I, I just I couldn't I we got in we got an hour into it and finally I was gonna say in the film's defense we didn't finish it and we didn't I couldn't I couldn't do it I well, spent I, the, I spent the I, I spent the first I spent the first thirty minutes of the film trying to find something in it to yeah. like latch onto sure. to like really pull me in right. and then I spent the next thirty minutes wondering if Kylie was feeling the same way that I was <laughs> and not wanting to be the first person to say anything about it. And so right. finally... Do y'all have a rule where you don't try to give each other cues on how to feel about the film? I mean... not a, Maybe it's unspoken. Okay. Maybe unspoken. Right. Not, not explicitly. But you're not going to go, this sucks and like no, try to no, ruin no, it no. for her. Okay, gotcha. okay, go no, on. not at all. Um, I will say though... Finally, <laughs> sorry, before you said that, finally I had to press pause, look at how much time was left, which was... Un, just we weren't even halfway. I mean, we, we had watched halfway. We had watched an hour of it, and there was still an hour and fifteen minutes left. And I was horrified by that right. fact. And so I f- finally I paused it and looked at Kylie, and I was like, "Is this film kind of boring to you?" And she was like, "Oh my god, yes!" And I was like, "Thank God it's not just me because I cannot take another second of this." Huh. Wow. I will say, and maybe this is just because I'm like an extreme optimist, but after you know sleeping on it. And then reading some about it today, I am kind of sad that we didn't finish it. Um, I didn't know Andrew that it was kind be. of, I didn't know it was about what? kind of his childhood and how right, he grew right. up. I didn't know that. Spoiler alert. What part did y'all stop at? We stopped somewhere um, around where they went to visit. Did she get um, with the guy yet? She was pregnant. Okay. You know that she oh, was yeah. pregnant. Oh, yeah. We had gone okay. Christmas, New Year's happened. Okay. The yeah. big fire okay. happened. Yeah. Right, right. They were at that house uh, with the lady that was gringa. But, uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and so uh-huh. there were people speaking English and stuff. And they were, I mean, it was pretty much explicitly stated at that point that the woman who she worked for, his husband, was cheating on her. Right. Um, I mean. No, it wasn't. It was just that brief, like. I mean, but it was. I mean, flash of him coming out of the movies or something right. with that yeah. other woman. Yeah. But that was. I mean, that was pretty apparent. That was well, yeah, yeah, but... I mean, I mean, nobody said it, but we... By the time we stopped watching, we pretty much knew. Okay. And I, Where do we go from here? David, <laughs> tell, tell David us more about the film, maybe? And then we'll... I'm not perplexed. I'm I don't just, even know... I can understand. Now, I, now and, I, and I think this is, you know, kind of touching back on what we were talking about here. I think there is sometimes something sacrificed when we go to a streaming platform with a film like this. I think if you had seen this in a theater there would have been a much better chance of you locking into the film in a way. 
I would have sat through the whole thing. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you would have sat through the film. I think the visuals, as much as I understand what you're saying about the... I get that, okay, this is Mexico City. This could, if it was shot in color, it would have been much more vibrant in that way. But I kind of, for me, I like that I was I was really forced to kind of uh, spend time with, with these characters, the especially characters. Cleo. Um, and it really kind of locked into her world. And she was so interesting in that, you know, I think she's pent up. I mean, I think that throughout most of this film, now eventually there is some emotional release that comes, but it's only very close to the end. And I think, so I think that this kind of slow build that goes on in the beginning pays off eventually. But if you don't get there, then you're not going to get that. That's how I felt this morning was, oh, we did all the work and didn't get the payoff because yeah. we stopped halfway through. I couldn't, I couldn't, I could not do it. David, yeah. what is this film reminiscent of as far as pacing? Well, I mean, I, I think... C-SPAN? No. Oh, my there, there, God. There's a movie, I have a movie in mind. I mean, to, this to movie me, evoked a lot of other and films. And I'm not the first... You could see a lot I'm of I'm not influence. the first person to say this. I mean, I've seen other... But, you know, I see this as his stab at neorealism. Sure, um, okay. which, which was a film movement uh, out of Italy post-World War II where filmmakers wanted to make films about regular people, the mm-hmm. common man. Um, they were shot, you know, with, uh, oftentimes using non-actors, although that's not the case. Although I, I think this was her first film. The lead. Yeah, 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 yeah. the first, yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, in doing stuff that really wasn't about, like, heightening drama but about like showing the drama of everyday lives and how people experiencing so yes there is a kind of deliberateness to the pacing that comes with there's a lot of scenes that are just kind of like this is the rhythm of their lives right mm-hmm. they're watching tv they're getting some food ready they're going to you know like little touches like the dog poop in the in the <laughs> corridor like yeah, it's, yeah. it's ever present but right now, you know now comes cleaning day yeah i will say i i mentioned this i think last night but and i don't know if it happens again after where we stopped watching um but there was two different visuals that happen one in the beginning when the father's coming home and he's trying to fit into yeah. the yes, space that yes. he can't quite mm-hmm. fit in and then again when the mother is taking cleo to the doctors she just like goes right through the middle of these two trucks that and she very blatantly can't fit through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I thought that that was interesting that those visuals were kind of similar mm-hmm. of kind of something trying to fit into where it and can't it comes necessarily back again. <laughs> fit into. I didn't know if it that does. was like some type of thing well, that, going yeah, on, yeah, yeah. but I thought that, that that was probably my one like good positive takeaway. No, yeah. I, 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 I thought that was... I thought that was good too. I mean, yeah. I thought that that was something Well, that, But Joe, you said characters. you had something in mind that... You you felt like pacing wise. No, I, oh. I I never could put my mind around what it was. Okay. But I'm talking about okay. So if you look at critical, you know, response to this film, it's a masterpiece. It's easy. You know, right. So when you think of slow paced masterpieces that pull it off correctly, what, this isn't one. What 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 what, what, what does know, make that great? What does make that cut? Right. That's a fucked up rabbit hole. You get rid of all that shit. That <laughs> no, I'm not getting rid of it because I'm. I want to think about it more, and hopefully by the end of that, the end of this, I'll have come up. With I think there are there are films that just. I want didn't want to Google the answer to the question. I was trying to come up with it all. Well, no, day there, long. there's a yeah. you know there's a famous French film, Jean Dielman, that is about a woman, and it's like over three hours long, and it's about a woman just kind of like doing daily household uh-huh. kind of chores in her apartment. Some other stuff does eventually kind of happen, but you're just seeing this character exist. I mean, Andy Warhol is famous for having these films where it's just people, you know, 
living. in a space living and you know i think some cronenberg films would constitute that. i mean slow 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 I mean, burn i mean cronenberg yeah. is the king of the slow burn like mm. the slowest of burns especially some. earlier on in like the brood like right the yeah. brood is pretty like walking pace until the yeah. last like 15 minutes right so i mean i mean the, there are those filmmakers that do it. And the thing that's interesting here, I mean, Quaron, I wouldn't have necessarily associated with that. There's a lot of things Kevin about Costner, his... open range. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's Very a lot of things slow. about his style that I don't see in this film. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I've always associated him with long takes, a lot of, you know, intricate camera movement. Mm-hmm. I think it was all there. There's some of it, but n- yeah. but not not in the same way. That, There's that some on the nose, Coron. I mean, yeah. the, the whole uh, uh, opening scene with the way that the, oh, the yeah. stone is bathed and you right. can see right. the thing. The and there's a payoff washing. at the end. <laughs> there's a payoff at the end with uh, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were saying. Yeah. No. Well, I'm just saying. Like, it, it was interesting to see him kind of take it in a slightly different direction than uh, than I'm used to seeing with him. But so, Joe, did did you like the film? Okay. It. I want to watch it again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which means I liked it. Mm-hmm. Which means that I also appreciate and understand the brilliance within it. I really do. Because after the first hour 10, Carlos, I had the exact uh, uh, reaction you did. Mm-hmm. With the exception of you cannot, de- you cannot deny the cinematography of this movie. So I much do. so that it's on the nose. Like, like, in other words, we're going to show you the most beautiful vistas in Mexico in black and white. So much so that it... it, it it's a little like we get it mm-hmm. you can put a camera in a beautiful spot and light it correctly mm-hmm. however wh- obviously they can't light it correctly because it's in black and white and that's I mean I know that's not technically lighting but as far as like being good at cinematography you fucked up okay <laughs> but hold on so Cuaron who's Ito uh, Tambien is one of my favorite movies like top 15 movies mm-hmm. I love that movie and then I love Children of Men and when you get into the analysis of the technical achievements of Children of Men I mean it's mm-hmm. amazing so the Clive Owen film yeah uh-huh. And then you've got uh, Gravity, which I didn't care for as much as others. Yeah, I didn't care for as much as others, but I'm going to let him take me where he wants to take me. That movie fucked me up. So he's going to say, I'm going to make a black and white movie. It's a huge decision in 2018. So, okay, Quaron wants to go black and white. Okay, let's see where he goes. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to tell this intimate story, this slow story, this... You need to know these people, but you also need to know the background, the 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 mm-hmm. the, the social background of Mexico in the seventies for a scene that y'all didn't get to, and, and other scenes as well. It it, it we may have gotten to it's it, so. haunted in me, it's haunted me since I watched it, and I want to watch it again. Yeah, and I uh, I liked it very very much. Yeah. However, it's a masturbatory experiment that only Netflix, I think, could have put out. <laughs> that's, that's not true at all I because... Think, I, uh, I think this would work as an no. art house film. I, a studio, for whatever godforsaken reason, put out uh, Darren Aronofsky's mother, so it's not a masturbatory film only Netflix could do because that was the most masturbatory you're right, film you're, you're right, you're in right. my entire life. And it's also steaming hot. Okay, but, no, but give it to us, David. Now, <laughs> set us straight because you, are, you do this for a living now. Well, the, no, but and, that's not, and but, the it, no, but, it, but I don't, t- <laughs> but I don't tell people that they're right or wrong in their interpretations of films. I mean, one of the um, things that I talk about is that, it, I mean, I think it's really important that we we sort of appreciate the how, movie. Police are on their way, Carlos. They're <laughs> carting you off. <laughs> they're mad at me. Can't be that important. All right. What was your interpretation? What I will say is that when I see a film like this, 
I tend to think about, okay, what is the filmmaker wanting me to pay attention to? What is it? Oh, yeah. And it, and this one, I didn't even have to think about it overtly, but I mean, he wanted me to understand this character who was sort of a background. I mean, she should have been a background player in mm-hmm. this, right? I mean, she is the maid for the, or one of the maids in this house um, of this sort of, you know, wealthy family. And he really kind of gets me to pay attention to her and care about her in ways that film just doesn't. Like, I like it when I see a film that's made about somebody who doesn't normally get a film made about them. Um, You know, I I see plenty of films about rich playboys going around the world and doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I see, you know... But see, this is why I'm so disappointed in it, because I agree. The uh premise is great. Like when I didn't do enough for you. When I read the synopsis and when I heard about this movie and I, and I did hear positive things about it from most everyone that Mm -hmm. I talked to that had seen it. I was, I was excited about Mm -hmm. it. And I think that, I think that all it did was make a movie about a background character and show me why they should be a background character. Yeah. But it gets you, you, I think Joe's right. Like, at some point, you need to go back and watch, or, or at least read the synopsis up, <laughs> where, where you see what happens. Because some pretty devastating stuff happens. A movie's got to move. That's all I'm saying. It it eventually does. I mean, I think, but some movies move at different That's paces. It. That's it. The movie's got to move. Did this movie move us through? I mean, certainly the narrative could have been told in a much shorter expanse of time. Sure. He was there to show us the life. That but I don't think, yeah, but I don't think I would have appreciated. Mexico I would have appreciated like. this woman and, and her experience in the same way that I think I did spending some time that may have felt, and I agree, like the first hour or so of it, like pacing wise, felt slow to me. It was not drawing me in Im- immediately, but I kind of, again, probably in part because I respect him as a filmmaker and because I had heard good things, I'm like, well, I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to stick it out. And and to me, it did pay off. Eventually, like that stuff kind of all meant that when things did happen later in the film, I had a different kind of appreciation. If they had rushed that and it was like I got 20 mm. minutes of her hustling around the house and getting the kids off to school and stuff and then stuff started happening to her, I don't think it would have felt the same. Mm. I think there no, was... That would be I think well, it, it had to demonstrate that her life is mundane. Right. Her, right. Her, what she does day in, day out is going to be mundane for the average movie watcher. Right. I think it, it also kind of shows, too, um, how that figure of a housekeeper, a nanny, whatever, um, sort of takes on more of a parental role, too, in that aspect. And you wouldn't have gotten that if it was, like you said, just 20 minutes of her cleaning the house. Um, yeah. Like those like a nanny takes on kind of um, the role of a mom and dad for these kids, especially. Mm-hmm. And you can see that, especially in the little boy, like just adores her, worships her. Right. And you wouldn't have gotten that if it was rushed in the beginning. That yeah. Way. And, and there are circumstances in the film and, and we got to just pretend like you've seen it where, <laughs> where uh, you're absolutely right. She's a surrogate mother. She's an in-place mother right. for these folks where, you know, but uh, she doesn't want to be a mother herself. So it's, it's, this is my job. This is right. my duty. My dalliance. This is my take. My dalliance with this guy mm-hmm. has got me in a situation that's going to keep me off of that path. Right. And in the middle of it, it, I'm in this upheaval of society where violence is occurring all yeah. around me. So that that was the thing I think that put the exclamation point on this being exceptional. Yeah, was that setting that they used as almost a different character? It came yeah. wove in, it wove out, and that was that was fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- so you know, 
I think from the standpoint of it, like, is the typical Netflix subscriber going to like this film? No. Probably no. not. No. I no. mean, I think this <laughs> I think this is going to speak to the people who are willing. And again, like, if it's somebody who likes uh, the neorealist movement, people who like films that are kind of about mundanity and about, you know, regular people, and, but also regular people put into extreme circumstances at times. The um, online debate about this thing is that Netflix has presented to us a film that should be seen on the big screen to mm. completely appreciate it. Right. The biggest problem in the first 20 minutes for me was the size of my television, the requirement of reading the text, mm-hmm. and my brain, my film fan wanting to watch the action on the right. screen. Yeah, it's and, hard. And, and had it been a larger screen, a movie screen, right. I... And I sit sitting in the proper seat. Yeah. I would have been able to maybe do that. I, I there's no adjustment because my television isn't right. the, the size. Yeah, that I would. It is. I would agree with that 100. Mm-hmm. percent And you know, like David said when we started, if I went and saw this in a theater, You'd be I locked would, in. I would not have gotten up and walked out. Mm-hmm. Like, Can you give a cinematography award, an Academy Award, whatever, in cinematography to something that isn't shot to be, be to be seen large? To be seen well, in the this, way that the, the industry shot. was it created. It's shot to be yeah. seen that way. It just and wasn't presented that way to most people. It can't be presented that way if you don't live in one of right. seven cities that had a screening for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a good question. I well, mean, that's the Netflix question. Yeah. yeah. If yeah, Tarantino, is, and I don't think Tarantino ever would. Well, right. he's only got like what? One, well, two well, films left in him? Yeah. <laughs> that's branding. That's what he said. That's branding. Yeah. Anyway, but if Tarantino would, t- he's such a film, you know, he he yeah. wears it all over himself. Is he ever going to release a film on te- straight to television? That's not how film is supposed to be I viewed, according to the yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. think I don't. So that's I, that, that's he, the he internet. Seems like the purest, like he Christopher say, Nolan. There's there's I a think, handful of people who I can think of who it seems like would well, probably. Have some kind of uh, you know Tarantino of all people, yeah, because he's so like film, film. right? He owns he's his own only, theater. He, you have to he, shoot on film, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and he owns his own theater. I don't yeah. think he'd ever do a direct to anything. So, I mean, I feel like we should, you know, we talked about maybe mentioning this other film, and I feel like we should at least bring this in, if not just for the memes, right? <laughs> Given that you know there is this other film that that's made kind of a stir here and that Netflix is touting as being maybe it's most successful at least in a certain sense um, th- that was released even more recently and, and that's Bird Box uh, star- starring Sandra Bullock Sandy B um, and, uh, and directed by a, a less well-known director but one who's had some fairly successful films on the art house circuit uh, Susan Beer and um, what has she done? You know, of her films, I think uh, Open Hearts I had seen back in the early 2000s. Um, She, She, you know, she's... uh, Canary Container. (laughs) (laughs) She's... That was funny. That was good. The alliteration. (laughs) She's she's Danish, and that one I had seen because it was actually, I don't know if y'all remember, there was this Dogma 95 Mm -hmm. movement that uh, Lars von Trier and some other... Right. Which Lars von Trier was a pioneer of, but did not adhere to for the most part. (laughs) Right, right. But she did. So she did at least one film in that... Um, her her film Brothers was also kind of in After the Wedding, so she's done some that were all. No, no, kinda... no. Uh, Brothers, I think is is this the one that I'm thinking of? Also, I didn't know John Malkovich was in. Uh, he is was in this film. Brothers. Yeah, yeah. And, and oh, this was not the movie I thought it. And was. And he's in Bird Box too. 
and and he and he's pretty darn good. No, that's, that's what I meant. Was in Bird Box. That John Malkovich yeah. is in that. Yeah. Um. So anyhow, yeah. So the, so this film Bird Box, which now Netflix is touting to say that I think it was forty five million. Yeah, forty five point. Wow. Um, subscribers saw it in its first three days. Three days, or something. something like that. Yeah. So kind of like equivalent to an opening weekend. And that is which, how, how many that's, devices that's does each subscriber have? That's you know again like if you're assuming that you know two three people at right. least are in each household who are watching it that's like a huge opening weekend right. yeah um for a film so so they're touting it as this great success which now you know some people are saying because they've been very secret um yes exactly very they always, they always have been about stuff so this is like kind of the most overt that they've been about subscribership and, and viewership numbers or anything like that. So obviously they feel kind of proud of this. I was going to say they just had to flex. Display. Yeah, <laughs> it's a right. vulgar display. Vulgar display there. Bringing it back. Um, but anyhow, and, and as Carl said, you know, I think the one of the most interesting things is this was not a film that was like heavily advertised and it didn't have the huge like beer as we just talked about. I think to a certain kind of small art house population, yeah, that name carries something. Sandra Bullock is a is a big star, huge. But name. this was not a heavily promoted film. There this weren't was... like billboards. There weren't you know trailers on TV. It was it was all kind of put out there by we recommend this film to you, and yeah. then people memeing about it. And, this was yeah. the Netflix. This was the movie equivalent of a Beyonce album. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like boom, here it is. Hope right. you guys like it. Right. That, I mean, that was. No, right. yeah, that was it. So, um, and I, and I actually did watch this film um, a couple days ago. Actually, we watched it on New Year's Eve. Actually, that was it. Yeah, it's, um, kept us awake. Um, <laughs> I I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I, I actually, it. yeah. I mean, it's a very tense kind of uh, you know thriller. I mean, the the I would compare it to kind of a zombie film of sorts. I mean, that that was the closest. I've I, seen. A lot of Quiet memes. Place. Yeah, I've yeah. Seen, I've seen a lot of memes that it, it's in the format of the uh, "Sure, you can copy me, but don't make it so obvious." And then, like Bird Box, you know, uh-huh. or whatever. Uh, I've I've seen it compared to in that fashion. What's up, Dylan? You could hear him. There, <laughs> he, um, he did chime in. Yeah, he did. Uh, you could. It was compared to the happening and to a quiet place. Yes, mm-hmm. as, I, as being in. It was insinuated that it was a virtual carbon copy of both of those movies. I mean, it has elements, but what I like and where I go with the I, the zombie thing—I haven't thing, seen it, so I'm not saying. That. Where I go with the zombie thing is *Night of the Living Dead*, like this group of strangers kind mm-hmm. of trapped in a house, because there's that aspect to it as well. It kind of shifts back and forth in time, where you have. I did like the timeline aspect. Of yeah, it. The, um, the, but these people kind of thrown together who are trying to not survive. Yeah, right. Who trying, are trying to, to survive, survive not trying to not survive. <laughs> but uh, yes, trying to not be uh whatever you call that thing that's happening to people uh in in the film where they where they're just kind of overtaken by this need to kill themselves um that you know they're they're staying inside this house and they're having to deal with each other's personalities and their biases and and stuff like that and second guessing. And I and I Malkovich is great in it, I thought. I thought Susan, I, I thought uh, Sandra Bullock was really good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, even the other actors who are a little less. Um, Sarah Paulson. Yeah, Sarah Paulson Sarah was Paulson. good. She's she's, she's kind of quick in it. Yeah. I mean, she's only in it very briefly. She wasn't in it as long as I would have liked. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say kind of um, love Sarah Paulson. Yeah, she's great. But I they, could have done without the love story. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was I don't, necessary. I don't think it was either. I, you know, I can agree with that. I don't. I don't know that we needed that. I. I mean, it didn't. It didn't take me out of it too much, and it and it also didn't become too overriding. I mean, it was there at the end, and it seemed. 
I understand why they wanted it and why they felt like maybe it was necessary, but I agree. I don't think it was. I mean, was. we're in like a grocery store and it's like the end of the world and Sandy B's pregnant and this guy goes from talking about feeling his sister's belly to like hitting on Sandy B. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> what? Hey, it's, it's the end of the world. I mean, <laughs> I guess anything goes. <laughs> Time for small talk. Yeah. But but it is. It's interesting that, you know, this film has been kind of a huge success. And as Carlos was saying, I became aware of it because I kept I was starting to see these memes pop right. up of like Sandra Bullock with a blindfold on and, uh, you know, people making these jokes about, you know, I don't know, the, the, get, get, feed me some uh, some memeology here. Uh, <laughs> my favorite one was um, Sandra Bullock blindfolded in that boat uh-huh. I guess, with like her yeah. kids and uh <laughs> Over her, over Sandra Bullock's blindfold, it said anti-vaxxers, and then there was just the word evidence oh. around, oh, yeah. <laughs> around them like a hundred times. Oh God! It was my favorite thing, and one of the one of the big ones was somebody, um, some heathen said uh, compared the way Sandra Bullock looks in this movie to uh, like late '90s, early 2000s Michael Jackson. Yeah, but. That's that's not the offensive part. The offensive part is that whenever this person tweeted that, they said the lady from Bird Box oh my looks God. like Michael Jackson. <laughs> like, put it's this is Sandra Bullock. She, you know, show some respect. Please. She saved a Miss America pageant. She uh, stopped that speeding train or bus or whatever it was in speed. I right. Mean, you know, she's she's done some shit. Yeah. Yeah. What what it talks about, I think, more than anything, is the idea. <clears throat> The idea that um, it legitimizes the whole thing. It legitimizes the Netflix experience. Sandra Bullock is a huge star right now. Oh, yeah. 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 And she her, didn't bend. Yeah. I did not need to go to the theater. I did not need to go, you know, I, my Netflix where I watch my cooking show or whatever it is has this Great Fish Bake Off. Awesome movie. Yeah. Whether it's awesome or not, I do not know because I have not seen it yet. The, the, the main critical consensus I've seen is this movie isn't good enough to warrant all of this hype that it's receiving all of the memes all of the whatever which speaks to i think the marketing culture that we're about to enter that mm-hmm. I, I, I don't even begin to understand yeah that because we all saw it on this platform it now becomes memeable huh i don't know i mean I, is it I, is an exceptional movie okay i think stranger things is exceptional and worthy of all the hype around it Mm-hmm. It's yeah. different. It's it's different enough. It's uh, I wouldn't call it different, but I understood. Like it understood. A lot. Understood. <laughs> right. Right. Is Bird Box that good? I think Bird Box. You know, the, we, we've already Carlos brought up a Quiet Place. I mean, I think I think it is as good as a Quiet Place, and I really enjoyed a Quiet Place. I liked seeing that in the theater in part because the silence of that room was important. This one being more about vision, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. given that it's the blindfolding and stuff. I don't think that was quite as important. Right. Um, but it has like I think it's one of those kind of films that has a gimmick that has like a hook to it um, like with A Quiet Place it's like we can't make noise here it's like we can't open our eyes we can't look at the world around us um, that's sort of I don't know it's it's goofy on some level because I, I even felt like I remember watching it in the first like opening sequence of it I'm like I don't think I'm going to be able to buy into this thing but then it goes back in time and it kind of shows how things got there mm-hmm. and everything and that got me to it and then once I bought into it I was like oh yeah this is kind of an interesting little gimmick and then I found myself and I think especially the second hour of it or whatever where I was really getting nervous and I'm really like yeah. sitting there like gripping the edge I will say the I, didn't, I don't mind 
having seen this at on home. the television right. as much as like I, yeah. I I would have preferred to see you know something like Roma in theaters yeah. but I didn't mind watching this at home I think this was a, yeah I agree this is like a perfect movie to watch so at home it with, sets up the Netflix viewer to believe then that the biggest stars yeah. are going to be on this platform because I like Sandra Bullock very much and I usually well, go to the yeah, theater I mean, and I didn't have to do I think it legitimizes the whole thing and they're brilliant. Yeah. Because the theater experience, the community experience, now we can get with all the memes on social media. We can have a community experience. But that's not with the theater experience. Understood. I'm not trying to say that they're identical. No, but it's but I'm it's trying part to say it's communal, but I watch the movie in my house. I don't have to leave anymore. Well, and it's being part of that, like, of the moment. Like, you know, when a movie explodes like yeah. that, right. where it's like everybody's seeing it, like A Quiet Place was, or, you know, like that you, everybody's talking about this thing. Well, being this is one that everybody's culture. talking about, and you can watch it right then, uh-huh. and then you can be talking about it with them. And, yeah. you, you know, maybe on just a different tab on your browser. It's like, it, I mean, so, I agree with you, Joe. I, I, I think what you're saying is right that, you know, Netflix needs these. And I think Stranger Things was like that when it first arrived, right? I mean, it was yeah. like Stephen King starts tweeting about it. Well, and then all of a sudden, everybody's like, wait, what's this thing that, you know? But bringing it back to DVDs being sent to your home, that was the final <laughs> nail in the coffin of, a, of Blockbuster, which yeah. for older folks like me and maybe David, that was how you watched wallet, movies. So <laughs> you had to go to Blockbuster. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or what some equivalent Hollywood video yeah so I believe that we are seeing the end of theaters I believe that we are no I don't I don't agree no Blockbuster will never go away no I, I <laughs> but no, that's different I think, I think, no I don't I think mean, it is no, it's, no, the, think, it's the place we go to be entertained I, I disagree because so much of what the theater experience is becoming is not just about the film. It's about the, the 3D, entire... Though. No, it's not even that. It's about the fact that you can get food and drinks delivered. To, I mean, because Draft House isn't the only place doing that. Of course. I, I mean, there's a ton of different uh-huh. places in larger markets well, that are doing the that kind of thing. Well, and even the you know, yeah. they've, they've expanded their... I mean, I, I, it's not great food, but they've expanded no. what they offer and that you can get beer and wine and yeah. coffee. So I, and, so I think that I think that what... What book market we got to talk in five years i mean i'm not talking like well, immediate for, well but, no for yeah. sure yeah. and i i realize you're not saying that tomorrow right. theaters are gonna close yeah. down but i think what the draft house has been kind of spearheading as far as the theater going experience is is that it's not just about that it's not just about seeing the film like people go to the movie parties at the draft house mm-hmm. not because they haven't seen the movie before not because they don't already own it on dvd but because they're going to a theater where they can either quote along or maybe they have props or maybe maybe they're just seeing a movie that they really love with a bunch of other people that like that movie. But even without all those bells and whistles, the viewing experience, you're never going to be able to watch you know, a movie the same way on your TV as you can at the movie theater. Right. Just like 2001. The, the pure, yeah, I mean, That's going great, to... the best example. Yeah, it's just a different, just the viewing experience itself. You're never going to get that in your living room, even if you have surround sound, super dope speakers, like... Right. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to cue you to expand on this a little bit, but we saw 2001 A Space Odyssey in the theaters a couple months ago. Yeah. And... 
No, it's a different thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a not, totally different experience. Nothing will ever be like that, right? Yeah. Like, so let's look. I at, have never had an well, experience and, and, like that, and, and, and as I, never I was will saying, again. I, and I think with a film like Roma, I would have preferred to see if I had the option. I would have gone to see that on the big screen right. rather than watching it in my living room. And I think there will continue to be those films that either because of certain aspects of their visual uh, content or just the communal thing that you want and you want to be able to kind of laugh with an audience or you want to hear people scream when we talked about that with blockers yeah that and it's more immersive you can't get as immersed into a film in your living room as you can in a theater but is it economically viable if i can watch the latest sandra bullock movie at home i don't know i mean i'm i'm i think you're right that it's going to impact the way that theaters operate and i think we will definitely see changes in the in the next whatever five, ten, fifteen years, but but I don't think it's going away. I don't I, think, I don't think we're gonna see the disappearance of movie theaters. I don't think we're gonna see the disappearance. I think what we're gonna see is megaplexes become increasingly more scarce, like a theater with twenty five screens or twenty sc- like mm-hmm. what a ha- yeah tinsel God, has what, what a seismic shift though. Uh, Watching gonna, the rise of that and now seeing yeah. maybe the decay yeah. of we're it. We're gonna see that go away, and they're gonna there's gonna be smaller theaters with less screens and with more, more customer s- service, more customer yeah. service, more specialty screening. Yeah. more specialty offerings whether it be 40 taps or whether it be a full menu of something or right. whatever it may be um so yeah i think i think we're a little split on how significant the impact it's, is going to be or exactly how it's going to take shape but it is going to do something yeah now well, with that being said we, we should talk about this beer because all of our glasses are empty. yes we're, we're all empty and they, and they empty quickly <laughs> And that was a fantastic beer. <laughs> it went for more, and it was empty. Yeah, I should. I I even thought about it when I was leaving the house. I sh- I, I thought I should bring two cans of this, and I was like, oh, so how many? Sick. How many did you buy? Uh, I ended up with two four packs of this one. So At the brewery, you brought them home. Um, I a Christmas present. Well, okay. I I did. I my uncle lives in Houston, mm-hmm. and when Ingenious posted on their Instagram about these six different beers they were going to can and release, Mm -hmm. uh, I texted him and I said, if anybody got me anything for Christmas, tell them to take it back, give you the money, and bring back (laughs) as much of this as you can. And uh, so he he brought back four four packs of different beers. But before I knew he was doing that, my friend Sadiq was going up to Houston right before Christmas, and he said he was going to try to make it, and then he texted me a picture of the menu... And so I went back to the post and I was like, bring me this, this, and this. I'll Venmo you the money right now. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And so he, both my uncle and Sadiq brought me back uh, a four pack of this, a four pack of uh, a, a different IPA. Mm-hmm. And then I, I had a couple of other, a couple of other ones. Fantastic. Sadiq brought back a, a cookie dough stout Ooh. in a pastry stout thing. Yeah. I mean, th- I mean, right for, as I said, when, when you poured it, I mean, the nose on it, I could smell the strawberries. Oh, I crazy. could smell the cream. It was, you know, I, I had really good feeling going into yeah. it, but once I started <laughs> sipping it, oh man, that was delicious. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, now this is crushable. <laughs> so, okay, so again, I don't think I'd throw back that, but I mean, I, I would sip would. that forever. I, could, oh. I, it's, it's been so hard. Cause I could, I could drink, a four pack of this in an hour or something like, I mean, I could drink this so fast if I really want it. Cause it's so good. Yeah. And 
Uh, I mean, I think the the thing that would get to me honestly is the sweetness. Oh, it yeah. is pretty sweet. It yeah. is pretty sweet. So, and I, and I think I have a lower tolerance for sweets okay. than I have a, a pretty, lot of people. I have a pretty big sweet tooth. So, I have a lower tolerance for gimmicky beers, of which this is one. <laughs> it's definitely. But gimmicky. if you have me yeah. over, I would drink this happily and and maybe even pour another glass. A lot of I would say a lot of the ingenious stuff is a little gimmicky. Yeah, from the titles that you gave, I think. Smart so. cookie. Uh, smart cookie. That's what it has yeah. a graduation cap there on. Were, there was a there was a mocha. <laughs> Frap Froyo Black Milkshake IPA that I got that that one I didn't like so much at first, but it's growing on me a little bit. Well, you're uh-huh. seeing an emergency uh, merge emergency an emergency. My beer is empty. <laughs> <laughs> you're seeing an emerging emerging trend in the milkshake IPA. So I, they're well, going to be coming. Well, one out of the us. articles you posted said it was going to go away this year. So yeah, I we'll don't see. know. It, it's so it's always it? interesting to see that. I mean, uh, we'll good see. job, good brains. Thank you. Yes, we'll yes. Th- this was a fantastic episode, beer wise. And for me, movie wise, yes. fantastic episode, movie wise. Yeah, can yeah. I say one more? I was like having a guess. If we're wrapping it especially up, especially Kylie. Can I say one more thing about Netflix? Yeah, because you said the great cookie. What was it? Great American Bake Off. The great, great American or the Great, great British, British Bake Off. Okay, have you all watched? Amazing. Okay, have you watched the uh, Final Table yet? No. Okay, have you watched Chef's Table? I've the seen series like that's been out a couple yeah. of years. Okay, yeah. so the Chef's Table is a series that came out that was an hour long. It's an hour long look at Michelin star chefs across the world. Yeah, and 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 it's we like that show. My significant other is a foodie, so we watch that show. And then this uh, Final Table came out, and the Final Table is not all, but some of the chefs from Chef's Table. It's competitive, mm. right? Doing a Iron Chef. Kinda it's like it's Iron Chef. Stars yeah. type and situation. They, exactly, and they're gonna. If you win this competition, the 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 final table competition, you get to sit at the final table with the other world class chefs that have judged you up until that point. Oh, wow. And what Netflix is doing, and it's crystal clear, is creating their own food network lineup of yeah. stars to do future Netflix cooking shows oh, for sure. with these Michelin chefs. Yeah. And you can see then that Netflix is an omnibus. Netflix is trying to dominate it. All. They're trying to get as much market share as they can before these other competing companies start taking their own content and doing right. the, the the Disney right. one. I, yeah. I, you have Netflix I mean, and you have CBS Disney, and if you have kids, of course you all have access. The, all yeah. access yeah. yeah, so uh, cafeteria style cable TV, but via streaming platform. Maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but Netflix are geniuses. Yeah, oh, we'll, have to, we'll sure. have to do a, we'll have to do a cooking show uh, uh, <laughs> offshoot sometime. <laughs> yeah, I mean I love cooking shows, so don't tempt me with a good time. We we'll yeah. use wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll do wine for that one. Yeah, for sure. So like the beer. Yes, absolutely. Some of us like the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Netflix is taking over, I guess. <laughs> I feel like they've done been taking over. Yeah, they they, they could advertise on our show or something here. I Netflix, mean, reach like out, just... sponsor us. Uh, <laughs> our rates are reasonable. Carlos, uh, next week. I loved Roma. And, and Carlos, <laughs> how would they find us? Uh, they will find us. Uh, okay, so if you're listening to this right now and you haven't already rated or reviewed or subscribed on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you're listening, do that. Don't just give us five stars, which I know you're going to do. Obviously, you're going to give us five stars. But write write a review as well. It's very helpful for us to know what you're feeling, what you're not, what kind of episodes we should do in the future, all that kind of thing. If you're upset with my Roma take, you can uh, can tweet at me, please. Uh, We can go at it on Twitter if you want. Uh, (laughs) At Beer Movie Show on Twitter. Uh, I... I post a lot of the drinking that I do when I have interesting beers, uh, either in my fridge or out at Tapology or whatever. I 
I post a lot of that stuff on Instagram at beer and a movie. Facebook, you can find us, facebook.com slash beer and a movie TX. Uh, and then, of course, obviously, beer and a movie podcast.com. That's where I, uh, I will post some pictures and uh, a brief synopsis of the episode that was just posted uh, on whatever, usually on Wednesdays. Uh, so you can, before you listen, uh, do a quick little, a little read on, on, on what you're getting yourself into. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of prepare yourself. Or maybe even watch the movies before you listen to the episode, if mm-hmm. that's your thing. Um, but until next time. We'll see you at the movies. Thank you.